This podcast is a member of WGPRN, wildgamesproductions.com. You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with golden jewels and a red dragon. He starts to breathe. Save or die! Welcome to the Save or Die podcast. A podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. If it's in a box, we'll talk about it. Welcome back, everybody. Episode, I'm sorry, adventure number 21 of the Save or Die podcast. We are back again. This is uh, the new year, 2011, and back for the first time this year, Mike and Liz. Mike, Hello. how are you guys doing, Liz? Oh, doing pretty good. And Glad for the new year. That's right. 2011 brings new shows, and everybody can't wait. You know, just because we had a two-week break doesn't mean we had a hiatus. <laughs> Everyone was all jumping all over us for that. Well, you've got to admit, on the internet, yeah. know, having podcasts appear and disappear is, you know, a reasonable assumption. Very true. And always, the illustrious DM Glenn is here, too. I'm stoked. He's, il- he's il- illustrated? Yes, illustrated. Oh, I've already okay. done that this morning. I'm stoked. Why? I'm happy to be here. <laughs> uh-huh. I am. Ve- yes, I am. You're just happy because you have a rules encyclopedia in your hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad thing to me. I know that. Um, and and a bunch of other stuff I bought over the, that I told you about. Anyway, um, yeah, I've been getting artsy-fartsy with it, so. <laughs> the Denim Rules Cyclopedia. Uh, Glenn, why don't you take a second to, because uh, we're going to be putting up on our website your, your blog link. Why don't you take a second to pimp that? Sure. Okay. Hey, we be got a blog here. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. Glenn. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, this is DM Glenn, and he does have a blog. It's called Too Much Johnson, and the the <coughs> the address is <laughs> all right. the The address is too much Johnson dot dot com. Yes, and we'll have a little graphic up on the site um, yeah. as soon as I get a chance to put it up. And I've I've retooled it to lean more towards gaming, so so it's like a general slash gaming blog type thing. Well, I started out just to talk about stuff with an emphasis on, like, movie reviews. And I'm still going to do a movie review every once in a while, but now that I'm into the basic D&D gaming, I'm probably going to talk more than that. I already put one up there about Judges Guild. so Sweet. And it's all by DM Chili Pepper Glenn. Chili Pepper Glenn. Chili Pepper. All right, so... Oh, I'm sorry, Mike, what? I was going to say, Liz, what was that uh, thing you found on the net? It's something, how you came up with your jazz name? Oh, I don't remember the... It's like a, a, it was a physical attribute. Yeah, physical attribute, and then you pick out a fruit, and then you pick out the (laughs) name of a dead president. Ooh, you got a a jazz name? Yeah, Ooh. and I came up with Fat Apple Washington as my <laughs> jazz name. <laughs> Jeez. Nothing like blind lemon something or other? or I had blind banana something. I don't remember the last <laughs> name. The uh, president I chose, but yeah, I was blind banana. I could do you one better. I found a, a website where you can make up your own blues song. 
Ooh. Oh dear. You just, you just go through. I'll send you the link later. Just go through the, <laughs> the you know, answer these things, and then it plays it for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That, that that's shows scary. you the lyrics. It's great. So hey, well, yeah, we could do like blues <laughs> games, games, gaming songs. Blues clues. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> You're sick, Vince. Yes, I know. <laughs> All right, gaming. <laughs> Remember that we're doing yes. that. Is that what we're talking about yeah. here? Yeah. Okay. Let's uh, start with uh, Mike. This week, uh, since he's the first person in 2011, we already heard what Glenn was doing since last year. But what about Mike? What has he been doing? What have you been up to, Mike? Tell us. Oh, well, um, surprisingly little gaming. Um, I expected to get more gaming in, but I got a new computer, so I've been spending the past couple of weeks battling with it and trying to get software transferred and all that good stuff. I have been reading, however... Uh, most notably, one of Tim Kask's more recent modules called High in the Hellgate Mountains, Ooh. which is for Brown Book D&D, mm -hmm. and was published as a limited edition um, for North Texas RPG Con, along with a um, facsimile of the very first D&D &D adventure ever, Palace of the Vampire Queen. Right. So I've been rereading re that one and reading High in the Hellgate Mountains to see what I can steal for upcoming campaigns. Mm -hmm. Cool. Sounds and they're cool. They're cool. Um, Tim Cast certainly goes with the with the humor aspect of the game. That's for sure. Cool. But no actual gaming itself, huh? Uh not not uh, basic brown book or anything. I've been doing some one e, but you know. Oh. If I could convince them to switch it to basic expert, I would. But well, you never know. You might be able to switch those folks into doing it. Why not? Yeah, bait and switch. Yeah, yeah, bait and switch. Just be <laughs> like, haha! I'm DM Mike, and these are the new rules. Live by them or die. <laughs> yes. You no longer have percentile strength. Ah! <laughs> I took hey, the Vince school. <laughs> I took the Vince course in DMing. Mm. <laughs> and pumpkin men start pouring out of a casket. Yeah. <laughs> I make a pie. <laughs> oh, guys, you guys had some bad puns in that last episode that you were in, Mike. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, let's head over to. <laughs> let's head over to. Yeah, Liz. Well, what did Liz do? Uh, as far as basic gaming goes, I've really done nothing, much like Mike. Um, although he's at least read stuff, most of what I've been up to concerning gaming at all has been either trying to reacquaint myself with Shudder 2nd Edition rules for the 2E game that we sometimes get to play in here Ooh. in Denton. Ooh. And also, yeah, the only other gaming I've done apart from that has been with Mike's Victorian superhero game that he's been working on, which I guess would fall under playtesting. For four years. <laughs> it should Don't be an get excellent me started game. On that. <laughs> we won't. Well, it's been ready. It just. Well, never mind. I'm not going to go there. We're not going to get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> and you did graduate, Liz, over the uh, break. I did graduate, yes. Congratulations. And I've already signed up for. Thank you. I've already signed up for more classes at a real four-year school this time, so I'll be continuing on with that starting next week. What are you going for, the bachelor's or master's now? Bachelor's. Oh, cool. 
Yay, and I am teach, and they're letting me teach again this spring. So <laughs> the key word was letting. Letting, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Open the cage, let him out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Glenn, what have you been up to? Um, I told you about all the stuff I got last time. Yes. Uh, new. I got a couple of the city books, the old Flying Buffalo city books mm. that. Uh, Came out oh, yeah. oh so long ago. I used to have a whole. I used to have a whole set of them, and then they, you know, several moves later they disappeared. And now I got back uh, number one and number five. Number five, uh, Paul Jacquet's studio had a lot to do with. Cool. Is that and, the uh, Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker? That was the that was the first one. And the first one. Okay. The fifth one was uh, was it Freak Show or something like that, where you know all these demi humans have shops and stuff. I thought they were great <laughs> books. I don't remember what it was called. I don't have it with me. It's on this room. Weren't they like system neutral? Yeah, it was it was a lot of fluff. Yeah. Um just so they can for for play with any role playing game system. Blah blah blah. They don't say and they don't say as long as it's fantasy. Um but you probably put it in sci fi or something like that. It's a freak show. Hey, what do you want? Hey, the original <laughs> Thieves Guild. Uh, supplement published had stats for D and D, Tunnels and Trolls, RuneQuest, and Traveler. Traveler. <laughs> I always wondered how that would work out. You know, <laughs> thieves in space. <laughs> that have been. Oh, fun. can I give a quick shout out? However, do it. No. Um. Sure. Shout out to John Gaunt. Oh. Okay. Hi, John. Thank. Muchly for him, he sent a large package of various hard copy items he donated to the show, including Lamentations of the Flame Princess, which we will be reviewing in the future. Yay! And along with plenty other modules, um, some we will review, some we will just use as prizes. So, thanks yeah. Muchly, dude. Thanks Thank a lot. Dude. Now we have a lot of great prizes, and we'll start doing some contests, and uh, yeah. Like what yeah. should, what should uh, Glenn cover his real cyclopedia with next? <laughs> yes, I ben. still say. Don't say anything, Vince. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I still say get that bedazzler to it. You could. Really oh no, no 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 no! No, we don't want Vince to say anything. He came up with a uh, poop elemental last show. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, let's kick Glenn down the stairs, as usual. Here I go. Yeah, exactly, and head into the cauldron room. And okay. where this week we're going to read some emails, because we're going to get a little caught up here. All right. Um, we have uh, four emails. It's gotten down to four. Yay. Um, we had five, but I had to delete one. So The first one is from Barataria. Hey. Hey, yep. Barataria. Yeah, Mr. Rainbow Lodge, yo! And he says, Thanks to the Saver Die Podcast, stalwarts for reviewing my module adventures at the Rainbow Lodge. In addition to undying gratitude, I have a few thoughts to share on the review. First, I didn't hear anyone in the cast affirmatively mention that the module is available for free download, including all art and maps. Are bad. Sorry. No one should buy any. No one should buy any of my books sight unseen, but especially this one, in which all art is included in the free version. Glenn, put your glasses on. Okay. <laughs> Second, naming or not naming NPCs by title has several purposes. First, it's a style Gary Gygax chose in his Bajral Keep in the Borderlands. I've adopted that for the for that. I've, I've, 
let me try again. I've adopted it for that very reason as a favorite module and the one I've used more than any other, but more importantly, I do it because I believe it stimulates the GM's creativity in detailing the campaign world and, as importantly, makes the module easy to reuse or adapt for usage in multiple campaigns. It's certainly not universally appreciated by readers, but those are the underlying reasons for that choice. I'm fairly Word. certain those are my goals, Gary had, the go same goals Gary had when he wrote The Keep. This should also help explain why the lodge is as detailed as it is. It can be used and reused in other ways as a roadhouse on an overland journey or as a bandit hideout or in any other way a GM might find useful, just as the keep in the borderlands right. can be used as a bastion of law or an evil overlord's fortress or as a setting for a siege. Again, this is intended <laughs> to allow, if not tempt, GMs to using the module and keep doing so. It's also to help a GM face with new players who wander around the inn and pick a pocket or two in their first gaming session, which happened to me during playtesting, and I think it's even more prevalent with younger players. Finally, a little peek behind the design curtain as to vanilla. It is ice, one of my favorite ice, ice cream baby. flavors. You can put anything in it, and if ice cream doesn't taste good in vanilla, it's probably not going to taste good in any other flavor either. I kid, but not entirely. Back to my days of regular gaming. I often found myself hacking bits and pieces out of module that I dislike or felt did not fit with my game. A notorious example being the old lady's gingerbread house and B5 horror on the hill. Aha! Uh -huh. <laughs> As the industry progressed and I matured, I found myself ignoring or ditching or rewriting more and more of commercial modules until finally I realized why bother at all. I wish there were more adventures with a little blank space to fill in that would not require wholesale rewriting and redrawing of maps and instead serve as springboards for imagination or frames which to hang other stories. In this particular case, I may have gone a bit overboard in that design in part to keep things simple for young players, but I'd like to think that any decent fantasy setting can have an abandoned mind and a haunted forest, that pretty much anything that can be plunked in and around the lodge the GM wants to use to build a campaign around. Or, to put it another way, it's easier to match toppings with vanilla ice cream than it is to take a bowl of bubblegum and Rocky Road ice cream and try to pick out the gum and the marshmallows. <laughs> Finally, I think I made a fairly serious error in estimating appropriate ages for players. I probably should have said 10 and younger. I first ran it for a precocious eight-year-old, and that seemed about right. I also wanted it to work for another young relative who was, has some learning challenges, and I think it succeeded in a fairly well, well, too. That coupled with what surely must be the only time horror master Brad McDivitt has been asked to draw a rainbow <laughs> turns off many who have found the resulting module to twee for their serious games, which so long as some GMs can use this module to introduce the game to new players is just fine. So, thanks again for all the enthusiastic reviews, and to Glenn especially for picking my module out of the sea of things available. I definitely appreciate it. Bruce B. Bartaria. P.S. I'm sending this along to Brad M. to let him know his work is still being talked about, and I'm still thankful he chose to work with me. There it is. Well, oh, thank I, you. I definitely agree with his point of view regarding you know generic name titles, a la Keep on the Borderlands. Um, right. I will say that you know the less detail, I in my experience is great for experienced GMs, but sometimes newer GMs need a bit more help. Yeah. I agree. Um, Otherwise, you get you know NPC NPCs named Steve the Alien and <laughs> Bob Bobsburg, where you go to find the Great Horn of Bob. Yeah, and Farfig Newton the Fighter. Yes. 
Me, the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> One of my first characters was named Nelg. I just spelled my name backwards. Hey, hey, Zagig. Zagig, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty. His name pretty is pretty standard word old school. Yeah. Uh, cool. Okay. Our next one is from George Way. Hey, George. Hello, guys. What? I said, hey, George. Yeah. Hello, guys. What is the largest D&D dungeon? Is there a mega dungeon type module for it? I realize there are a few mega dungeons out there that could be used, but where, but where any actually created for classic D&D? Mm. Oh, um, wow. I still maintain Tejel could be used as a mega dungeon, although I don't know if that's specifically classic or not. Oh, what about it is before. Yeah, with that ever that never ending dungeon that keeps going down further and further. Yeah, just keep digging. Yeah, I mean it's not mega dungeon in and of itself, but it's obviously supposed to be a mega dungeon. Yeah, you can just keep creating level after level with that module. Yeah, yeah uh, and, we're talking and about you really plus. should do the scenario justice. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. we're talking Lost City, right? Yeah, Lost City. Yes. Okay, I did. I confuse that with B five all the time. Horror on the Hill. Well, because B four, B five, you know. Anyway. B4.5 with Windows. Yes, there we go. Disconnecting mic. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Uh, is, there, is there any more? Oh, is that the, uh, yes, the, we have one from Greg uh, Amaral. Greg hey. Amaral. And he said, hi. Hi. I was wondering if you could <laughs> tell me if the Book of Sorrows Adventure was available in print form or is, the event- is it an adventure you made up? I really like to give it a try on my group. I also wanted to say thanks and keep up the great work in the podcast. I'm a longtime classic D&D player, and I'm so happy to have a podcast that discusses something that is very fun for me to listen to, not, not to mention I drive 10 hours a day for my job, and any time I can load a gaming podcast that I enjoy, it really helps me get through the day. Greg. I have to agree with him on that one. On long drives, it's nice to hear a good, funny podcast or something that you really enjoy. So I'm with you on that, yeah. buddy. So as soon as we find one, we'll send you. (laughs) 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 Um, To answer his question, it's funny because I get more questions on this show about the Book of Sorrows when it was meant for RFI podcast, and I don't get any questions on RFI about it. Or any talk about it on RFI, mostly. (laughs) Weird. Yeah, uh, no, the Book of Sorrows actually is my home campaign I wrote for the adventure, and... uh, 95% 95% of it's all in my head. The rest of it's on paper. So there's no actual printed module. I was thinking about printing it. But uh, I could tell you exactly the point where the whole thing became on-the-fly DMing is when you guys fell down the slide to the next level. <laughs> I don't know if you remember okay. that. Remember, remember that? Yeah, I, I remember that point. The, that up, I, to, up to that point, it was all pre-planned. Everything after that with the slide down was all on-the-fly DMing. Huh. I didn't... I wouldn't have expected. I mean, the the <laughs> original confrontation with the drow. I, I would have thought that was all planned out. So nope, not at all. Kudos. Not at all. See what the great Joe DM has given me his power. <laughs> so did you cut his head off, and then you know his power poured into you? Yes, I cut his head off and tried to put it on my head after I cut my head off. <laughs> yeah, but it went through. His, yeah, but it went through his the head butt. of Joe. <laughs> the head of Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Is he related to Vecna in any way? No, not at all. <laughs> it's his little brother. Yeah, ah. little brother Joe. 
I, but anyway, yeah. I might put it on uh, just like a free PDF download so people can have it because people, a couple people have asked about it. So, yeah, you should at least put the the pumpkin man stats up for people. <laughs> yeah, to we're still grab onto. Yeah, come on. He has a side adventure in the back. The pumpkin men. Liz Johnson is right. Liz Johnson. Liz Johnson. <laughs> I'm sorry. Howard Johnson's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway. Anyway, our last email is really stupid. What? <laughs> Don't say all, that about our emails. Is, <laughs> all it is is a Twitter notification. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Lots of people Twitter. I don't. Sir, I'm sure the name isn't stupid, but I will say it anyway. Ralph Plowman is now following you on Twitter. Ralph Plowman? Plowman. Oh, so it wasn't an email, more just an announcement. Yes, Ralph Plowman is following us on Twitter. The first thing I think of is Homer said, Mr. Plow, that's his name. (laughs) Well, we have a a Sodcast uh, official Twitter, but I don't really even use it, and I stopped using it. Yeah, I, I don't go. Yeah, because Twitter. Oh. I use my own Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Facebook gets it for me. That's about it. And that is our emails for the week. Well, we're very glad to have Twitter followers. Please That's don't right. let whatever Glenn might say dissuade As usual, you. Ignore what Glenn says. <laughs> oh, yes. now, now, now I've lost Liz. All right, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> By one bastion of hope. It's the Glenn Show, the Glenn Show. <laughs> He's going to go write a blues song now. <laughs> yeah. Just call me Pl- Mr. Pl- Pl- Plowman. I don't know. Thinking uh, back to that Mega Dungeon letter. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. The only other things I can think of is obviously, you know, Castle Greyhawk was obviously written for original <laughs> D&D. I say Castle Grayskull. <laughs> Castle Grayskull. <laughs> I was waiting for I that. Seen- you have a what? I haven't seen that one, although yeah. I did know somebody wrote Skull Mountain as a homage to the, you know, the side uh, diagram in the Holmes rules. Mm. You know, where they were showing the idea of different dungeon levels and it started with the Skull Mountain at the top. And But I don't know if that's a mega dungeon or not. So, mm. anyway. Damn it. Now I'm thinking about, since I said Castle Grayskull, I'm thinking about the Skeletor show that you could find on YouTube. What? <laughs> it's called... I was not aware that there was a Skeletor show on YouTube. <laughs> it's called the Skeletor Show. Uh, <laughs> take two. The Skeletor Show, and you can find it on YouTube. And apparently someone went back and did his own dubbing over voices for the He-Man show. Uh-huh. And he just calls it the Skeletor Show. It's focused on Skeletor, and he does stupid stuff and runs around and you know makes fun of people and just really bad. Oh, I was hoping well, to be look like... For that. I was hoping it'd be like Space Ghost. He'd be behind the desk. And, oh well, this week. No, it's like the the, the 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 he has these funny voices for Skeletor, and he has like Beast Man shows up, and like the Merman guy is gay, and he keeps trying to touch Skeletor and stuff like that. <laughs> I gotta look for that. Yeah, just look up Skeletor show on YouTube. It's really funny. Didn't somebody do the same for Cobra Commander, Liz? Um, Cobra Commander's day off. Yeah, I seen that. Uh, no, I was thinking actually the person who basically cut out scenes from the show and then did his oh. own dubbing. Yes, there are the one several when, ones. Yeah, when Cobra Commander was trying to get Destro to come to Thanksgiving dinner with him. Yes. <laughs> Those are great. Keep, keep thinking of, now I keep thinking of Chad Vader. Chad Vader's another good one, too. 
<laughs> okay, let's head into DM Fiat. Nope. Sorry. What? Uh, nope, you're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. No, 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 no. DM Fiat. So DM Fiat this week. We have what do we have, Glenn? What do we have? You, t you got the show notes right there. What do we have? Yeah, because you don't have them up as usual. Magic items and artifacts in your campaign. I do, but I just didn't want to carry the whole show. Oh, excuse me. It's the Glenn <laughs> show. Why don't, you, why don't you make up a new theme for the show? Just make it the Glenn show theme. <laughs> this is the theme, the Glenn show. The opening theme, the Glenn I, show. I, all I Glenn, all the time. I misinterpret you, Vince. You are my number one fan. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Yeah. So uh, go ahead, take the reins there, buddy. Magic items and artifacts. Um, wow. What dungeons. types do you use? How many? You know, is your world lousy with them, or <laughs> do you lousy. use none at all? What about you, Mike? That's that's a toughie because you know my innate instinct is to keep magic low. Uh -huh. I'm a very low magic kind of guy, but a lot of D&D, &D, especially published adventures, expect a certain amount of magical paraphernalia from the players. Huh. So I do I do basically keep quote well, I guess what I'd call the D&D &D average of low level magic items, but I'm very stingy with like plus 4 plus 5 stuff or artifacts. Right. I think I've used maybe two artifacts in all my gaming. I was wondering if I should have split this up to magic items and artifacts, because sometimes they're two separate things. Oh, definitely. Because, yeah, artifacts are so powerful, you can base a campaign around them. You know, like yeah. Like one ring or something. Yeah. And then I there's know. just magic items. Oh, plus two sword. I got a wand of fireballs. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've based many campaigns off of artifacts. Uh, what, the one where I was the Book of Sorrows is an artifact? Really? Itself, yeah. Oh, okay. I did a campaign a while ago called the uh, Swords of Chaos. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, yeah, the Swords of Chaos. There were various swords that did certain things, and one was a, he had a good alignment, neutral, evil, things like that. I've yeah, I did, done... thinking about that, I did do a campaign once based... Uh, I stole the swords from Saberhagen's Book of Swords, if you've read that series. Uh-huh. Gave each one of an alignment, and then basically... Had everybody in the campaign world rushing to get all the swords. Mm -hmm. What about so, you? That Liz? was Miss Liz. Yeah, tell us about your magic items. <laughs> well, when I first started out playing, way back, and way way back in the early eighties, um, <laughs> I, I <would> really good. <laughs> Go ahead. Um. Back then, when I first started, I was pretty heavy-handed with magic, um, but I was only about 12 or 13, so I thought, oh, magic items are really cool, so let's have a lot of them. <laughs> and as I've gotten older, I've cut back on the amount of magic, and I think Mike has influenced me a lot in that regard as well. You know, if if there's not as much magic running around in a campaign, you're 
player characters are far more likely to be impressed when they do get a magic item as opposed to, oh, it's just another plus two sort of fire. I'm going to put it in my golf bag with 20 <laughs> other plus two and plus three swords that I've got. Um, so caddy rolling it around. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if you what's want this, what's player, a bugbear, give me my four iron. Right. <laughs> I've got a plus five against bugbears in there somewhere. Give me a minute while I rummage through and find it. <laughs> I really need to color code these. For quick access, so, yeah. So yeah, I think having a lower magic campaign gives your players a healthier respect for magic items when they find them, as opposed to being rather blasé about them. It's like, eh, another one of those. And I don't think I've ever used an artifact level item in any of my stuff. It just never seemed to be quote unquote right for whatever campaign I was working on. Hmm. Yeah, I try to keep my magic uh, items down to a minimum. Maybe I'll give you one special thing and hmm. keep it that. Yeah. Glenn. Sounds about right. Well, me, I, I don't go low magic. I go kind of like medium magic. But to tell you the truth, I never ran a campaign where that's been a problem because they never get up that far. <laughs> you know, and uh, I like to, like I said, medium magic, which means like it's not, you know, it's not rare. But uh, I do a lot of stuff like charges and, you know, usable, use magic you use up. So, in effect, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really affect the, the game that much as far as like, oh, here's another plus five sword just tossed you, in the back. Do you allow recharge? Yeah. Um, like I said, I've never gotten to that point. <laughs> do you tell your players how many charges? Thinking, accessing. Um, Access denied. I have. <laughs> I have, but later on in my later campaigns, it's like, uh, how many charges you got? You don't know. Okay, so you, you tell me. You no. keep a secret, okay? Yeah, for, yeah. After a while, I start keeping it a secret, and it's like you got to go to this guy, and he's got to examine it, and he's going to charge you this much to find out, blah 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 blah. And it may have more than one thing it does, and he'll only tell you a certain amount for a certain amount of money, and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever so like, like? Oh, I'm sorry. No, so it's like media magic, but kind of restricted in that way. Have you ever had your NPCs try to swindle the players out of the magic items with the charges? No, that's a good idea. Like, oh, this item is defective, and it only has one charge left. How do you, I'll buy it for, like, a gold. See, that's what happens with because <laughs> I don't have a devious mind like you. I, don't, I never thought of that. Wow. Well, you know, that's what I do. I try to swindle my players out of stuff, so... <laughs> Here are these magic beans. Okay. Uh. <laughs> They'll grow. Mm. Give me your cow. Um, as far as... Has any, have you, any of you ever had, like, a, PCs want to create magic items? Yeah, I've had a couple PCs create magic items, but we didn't go into elaborate details on it. Uh-huh. Uh, so you didn't have to come up with any kind of procedure no. of, you know... Spend 500 gold and stand on your head and spin around or something. I remember uh, back when I was a teenager doing that type of stuff. It was kind of like 
uh, when we were at school, we were like, oh, I want to make a magical item. It's like, all right, between last adventure and the next time we play, your guy went out and, and did this and that and that. And <laughs> that's how we did it. Yeah. Well, most research and item creation rules I've ever seen are generally like, you know, it's a lot easier just to go clear out a dungeon and get the stuff than, yeah, than spend that. all your time trying to to make them. That being said, and this is kind of a Uh-oh. an off-branch of it, one of the things that were in original and classic that I really wish players did more often is actually research new spells. I think that, you know, for magic users especially, is a nifty idea and certainly plays into their theme as, you know, magical researchers. But I've rarely run into players that want to do that. Most yeah, of the time they bad. just... Yeah, I mean, because it could come out with some nifty stuff. No one wants to spend the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it will spend time and certainly spend money, but, you know, on the other hand, you've got a unique spell. That's true. Um, As far as that goes, I don't really run into players who want to research spells, but every once in a while, you get one with, like, a burning desire to come up with a magic item. Oh, I got a great idea. How do I do that? You know, can I do this? I want to take a dinner table and have it sprout wings. And then we can sit on the top of the table as it flies us to where we want to go. That's right. But it only takes us to Oz. (laughs) Mike, you might want to head over to Liz's room and get that stuff she's smoking out of her hand. (laughs) No, it's mine. (laughs) The lady says... You know. It's those mushrooms from last night. That's what it is. Oh, that's what you Oh, you didn't share. Thanks. <laughs> nice. Hi, mushrooms. You know Too expensive a- to priority it to you guys. Sorry. Go. You know what's a great place to find good inspiration for artifact items? And believe it or what's not, that? comic books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I did a, a campaign, uh, other than the sword one, I did one called, based on, I don't know if you guys remember, the Infinity Gauntlet series that Marvel had a while back. Yeah, I remember that. With the Infinity Gems, I did a campaign based on the Infinity Gems. Players having to go seek out the... To a lesser scale, not as, you know, epic as Marvel had it, but, you know, one did time, one did this, one did distortion, you know, had little things made up for each one. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Another Iron Man villain named the Mandarin had, like, eight rings. He had rings. Yeah, and each ring did something different. Hmm. That was kind of cool. It was like his main arch arch nemesis for a long time. Oh, yeah. And the dragon Fin Fang Foom. <laughs> I love, I that, love that. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great cheesy American, American sitting around? I need to come up with something that sounds kind of Chinese. Fin Fang Foom. <laughs> yeah. How can we insult the Asian culture more? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, what's something that sounds Calling Chinese, them Oriental? But I don't want to actually nice, nice. research and use a real Chinese word. That's <laughs> right. That'd be effort. Uh-huh. But Trying yeah, I, of, and of course, old Doctor Strange comics. You know, oh, are great. By the, by the roving rings of Ragador, yes. <laughs> are the hosts of Hoggoth really hoary? <laughs> yes, they that. are. Yes, they are. Okay. Who are you? I'm the pimp for the Hori House. <laughs> One advantage in D&D is that the artifacts, certainly in, in Brown Book, were always you know, mandated to have 
nasty backlash stuff, which I really liked. That's true. Really? Most magic items didn't. And if it didn't, it encouraged you to put one on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did they have whole charts for that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff? Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Of course, you were encouraged to come up with all sorts of things, like, you know. And it didn't have to be magic. It didn't have to be magic items and artifacts either. (laughs) You could be spells (laughs) and stuff. Yeah, yeah, nasty back backlash. Sweet. I always remember now, what. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Here's here's a question. Do any of you have? And this is a peeve of mine. I know it works for some people, and that's great. But do any of you have the corner magic shop? Oh, you mean in every town? Yes. No. No. The Walmart of magic, you know, just stop in and oh, I need a couple of you know magic boots of boots of butt kicking. Oh, just they go. only have size two. Oh man, what do you mean you're out of stock? Jeez, now I'm gonna have to wait back on order. Back. If you're willing to wait an extra month and a half, they'll come in. What do you mean they? What do you mean they'd only hit fit the half like? Sweet <laughs> half kicking my butt. The newest. Well, that's another now. thing. Yeah, that's another thing. Do you have magic items that shape themselves to its wearer, so you don't have to worry about sizes and stuff? Yeah, okay. I, I I do that. I do the shape. The, the that always magic items always shape with me. Okay, I've I know. Oh, if I'm if I'm neck deep in a campaign and they're in a new town, is there a place to buy some magic items and stuff? Roll, yeah, over here. Well, I was always under the assumption that that's the way it was meant. Magic items reformed to the wearer, unless it says Elven Chainmail or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, baseline for classic. That is true. Uh-huh. Um, personally, I've always kind of did it that way, unless it was something really, you know. Yeah, specific. A hammer for a storm, you know, storm giant is not going to shape itself to fit in the hand of a halfling. But you know, what is if the... it's? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Hmm? Go ahead. No. But no, if no. it's you know a minor change between say a human and a half elf. You know, or a dwarf it, it, to a half elf to an elf, or that sort of thing. Half elf. I'm letting my oneness slip through. Um, <laughs> but as long as it's like minor changes and stuff, sure. You know, no mm-hmm. big deal. Okay, here's a question: What is the weirdest magic item you've ever put in a dungeon or given out? All right, I can I can name one right away, but I didn't put it in there. It was from another DM. Shall uh-huh. I say it? Gauntlets of masturbation. I didn't know DM Joe did that kind of stuff. No, Joe did not. It was another person that I played with. <laughs> gauntlets of masturbation. Yep. He's fine fur-covered gauntlets. <laughs> you can... You can Do you go blind after using them? <laughs> no, it, it was... Oh, That's man. what I've heard. <clears throat> it, it were cursed gloves... Yeah, I was going to say, they must be cursed. Obviously, the person was 13 who made this up, and randomly during battle, you had to roll a percentile to see if you had the urge to do something. What do yeah. You do to the, uh, Fred, what do you do to the hilt of your sword? <laughs> <laughs> On yourself, Glenn, not the sword. Oh, I know. <laughs> I just imagine this guy's wearing the cursed clothes, walking down the street, doing, you know, this in the air, you know? What's the matter with you? You roll dice? No, I can't stop. <laughs> I think I just topped oh. everyone there, unless someone else topped. Yeah, it just yeah, flew it out of my head. Uh, Thank you. This is also the same person that made that played Chester the molester when we played too. So, oh god, oh god. 
good. Yes, Joe used to hate that. No, you're not playing Chester again. <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that player that always decides they want to play the weirdest, goofiest, freakiest character. and They're the ones that usually, like, I run up and open the chest. <laughs> I run up and jump in the hole. You know, it's... Okay, we, you're dead. Next. You wave okay, goodbye. I'll pull another goofy one. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us, uh, what kind of magic items and artifacts do you use in your campaign, and uh, how many, and where do you put them? And give us a, drop us a line at saberdiepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, or you can go right to the webpage and ask Glenn a direct question on Ask the Dungeon Master. And if you want the right answer, ask Crispy on there. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> And uh, let's head into our next segment of uh, Random Encounters. Okay. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your salad bar. Nothing up must leave. Crystal! <laughs> you will come out no more. What? Huh? What will come out no more? Random Encounters. Random Encounters this week. What do we have? What do we have? Golems. 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 And the first place, the first place golems appear is in uh, Metzer Expert. Um, no. Let's. Didn't Mike clarify that before we started? What list? Golems and holes. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. I heard golems and hiding? Yeah, they're hiding. I looked through all those. I couldn't find any until Metzer. I have it in Cook. Cook Marsh. Kind of, no, wait a minute. Back up. Yeah, Vince, you're right. I did see him in Cook. But that's the first place I saw him. But I will bow down. And yes, okay. So they're in the brown books, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Any particular kind of golems in there? Well, uh, for mine, the Cook, we have wood, bone, amber, and bronze. Which are kind of weird. Yeah. That's. Brown book were just the standard clay golems. There's not oh. even a clay golem in here. It's just a wood, yeah, bone, amber, clay. and bronze. Maybe they were intentionally trying to avoid, you know, the original slash one ena, you know, standards and go with something totally different. That's true. Um, <laughs> so hey, what? The... Hmm? I was going to say, remember when we were reading Maze of Peril that that Doctor Holmes wrote. And, oh yes, and you've, and you've got the golem that apparently follows you forever, and no matter where you go, it shows up. Ah, it's the golem again. But yeah, it's... This magic user had a flesh golem servant that he sent after them. They thought they'd deal with him because they had a cockatrice in a in a bag, so they tossed uh-huh. the cockatrice at the flesh golem, and it of course just turned it stone, and now they're being chased by a stone golem. <laughs> And it's like, for, yeah, for the whole book, it's like always, just when things could get, think you couldn't get worse, around the corner, here comes Zort, the, yeah. the golem. It's <laughs> like, like that song, Eric the Awful. It's like, and over their shoulder, they heard. You know? <laughs> now, if I asked you guys, what would an amber golem be to you? What do you think an amber golem would be? Um, a yellow jewel made, type. Yeah, one made out of the amber resin. Maybe there's some little 
fossilized ants and stuff uh, inside of it a, too. A, a sort of a crystal golem. Okay, here's the definition or description they have in the Marsh Cook. They res- these resemble giant lions or tigers. They are faultless trackers and can detect invisible creatures within 60 feet. That's weird. That's the description they give. So according to this, that- you look at that, you're like, it's a giant lion or tiger? <laughs> That's... I... Maybe that was influenced by Indian or yeah. African African mythology or something. But th- immediately saying it has to be a lion or a tiger seems weird to me. It's like that's a whole point of a golem. You can make them look like anything. Yeah, yeah. I thought. I'd ignore that. Make them whatever <laughs> you want. I found – I'm so, so – I, I didn't find this in Metzger. I found this in the Rule Cyclopedia, and I'm sorry I didn't find this in Metzger, but they came up with a drollum, which is a dragon <laughs> – Troll. Yeah, that's <laughs> one of those stupid RC things. Dragon golem, and I thought, yeah, I can see like this, you know, like steampunkish, you know, that kind, kind of, of a thing. kind of a steam-powered gadget yeah. sort of dragon. So you yeah, can make about a kind of interesting. Now, yeah. that, that's a good idea. I wouldn't call it a drollum, though. That <laughs> sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yes, my first thought was a drow golem or something. <laughs> yeah. Troll them. <laughs> but I tell you, it's pretty nasty, though. I mean, <laughs> 20 hit dice and 5 attacks. Yup. Okay, we don't want to fool around with that. What other kind of golems are there? I mean, there could be any kind of golem. I mean, Well, yeah, the book says you can make golems typically made out of anything you want, but these are some examples. Yeah. Did, uh, you were talking about the amber golems having being lions or tigers. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. Um, do any of those other golems limit you know have a limited you know it only looks like this or at least implied uh let me take a quick look again i just flipped the page closed i didn't know you were going to ask me again oh as sorry I'm fl- as i'm flipping past displacer beast well of course the iconic golem is the clay one from uh yeah. batman from jewish oh, sorry from the no, golem from... <laughs> yeah the story of the golem yeah yeah from from jewish lore yeah with the uh, star david on his chest and take it off and he stops yeah or, um, actually, I thought it was the word emeth written on his forehead. Uh, but either way, there's lots I'm just of... Go, I'm, I'm going by the silent film, The Golem. That's what they did. Oh, okay. I have okay. a copy of that somewhere. But, but you're right. I remember the story. You, you erase it off his forehead, and he just, like, stops. And, and he stops, goes. yeah. Let's see. The wood golem is a man-like figure. Crude man-like figure, it says. Mm-hmm. Hacked from mm-hmm. wood. The bone, uh-huh. the bone golem is... Uh, Bones of dead men bound together in a man-like form. Uh-huh. We already discussed the amber. The bronze golem, which is kind of cool, but it said it looks like a fire giant, pretty much. Their skin uh, is their skin is bronze, and their blood is liquid fire. Any that's cr- kind of a iron golem-ish. Yeah. I w- yeah. wonder what the what the mindset was behind Cook with Cook and Marsh for for narrowing the descriptions Yikes. like that. Anyone scoring damage on the Bronze Golem with an edge weapon must save versus death ray or take 2d6 damage from the fiery blood spurting out of the wound. Uh-huh. So there. That's kind of well, deadly. The hit dice is 20 on that one. Giarg. Yeah, it's a fi- level save is level 10 fighter. So I guess if Vince was running, we'd get a poop golem, huh? <laughs> what is with the coop, poop golem? I haven't listened to the last episode. <laughs> like, we were talking elementals, and he comes up with a poop elemental. 
I was watching Dogma that day. Leave me alone. Okay. No, not Mister. We just come up with the you know poop call. We said, well, that's an Odiug. Mister Hanky. Oh, that's right. Since Mike is here this week, he can tell you how to pronounce it properly. Yeah, how do you pronounce that, Mike? What? O-U-G-Y, that thing is... O-T-Y. Yeah. O-Y-T, I think it is. I don't know. I don't know. We came to the conclusion that it must yodel, because that's what it sounds like. O-D-O-G. I think that's a noise you make when it comes up out of the pile of poop at you. O-D-O-G! That's a good idea. What I love is the Neo Oyug from One E. It's like, oh, so this is a newer Oyug, the old, boring one. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, what's that? That's an Oh My Lord, because that's what people say when they see it. Yeah. His mother called him Eric because she couldn't spell Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Eric the awful again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, golems. We should golems. close the door. Uh, have you used? Well, did I ask you to use any of your games? I don't remember. I've never used them. No. I do. I keep Oil. thinking of that. You you have? Yeah, golems are great. Yeah, uh, I keep thinking of that one from Labyrinth, the one the planet in the door. It's not really a golem; more like a robot. But as he's swinging the sword, swinging the axe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool idea. Yeah, that's something like that. I I think I've actually seen it. I have. I don't think I've ever used a clay golem. I use stone, iron, flesh, bone. Um, one one large, uh, what I called a necrotic golem, which was basically a whole bunch of you know, dead bodies merged together into one huge, stumbling creature with like a dozen arms and stuff. I'm glad I didn't eat lunch already. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> So kind of Franken Frankenstein's monster writ large. Writ large, yes. But each each dead body, you know, can attack individually as well as being merged into the one huge Yeah, well. I wrote it up for um Jim Ward's campaign world for C and C. Ah. Tainted Lands, that's it. Yeah. He asked me to come up with some for, for the magazine and I came up with that and some others. Which, since, you know, obviously I'm getting such a resounding <laughs> interest in, I'll just leave them there. But, yes, I've used Oh, them. were you talking, Mike? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, no, fell, I fell asleep, sorry. Folks, what kind of golems do you use? Look at Glenn taking the reins here. Yeah. Well, Glenn, why don't you lead us into the next segment? Go ahead. Well, Liz hasn't said anything about golems. Okay, fine, Liz. I, okay, I, I can't talk. say about golems. They don't show up in the Holmes rules. Yeah, she said Although that. I did point out it was very odd that Dr. Holmes wrote that story where the golem shows up in it, but in the D&D rule set that he wrote, there's no golem in the monster listing in the bag. Hmm. Yeah. Of course, thinking about it, in Maze of Peril, there weren't any actual thieves. Maybe he thought the golem was a little too deadly for first to third level characters, and if you wanted to use but it. But we've golem. got dragons! Yeah. <laughs> Every that... game system has dragons. It's yeah, but flesh golems given. aren't that ba that powerful. I mean, they're just bleh, people. I figured he was going to free the you only... to, uh, you know. 
The only thing about flesh golems were that uh, only hit by magical weapons. But other than that, yeah, I mean, you know. Hmm. They're, they're the weakest, I'd say, of the golems. Yeah. Except possibly clay. But again, I've never really used clay, so I don't have a lot of... How about like a feather golem? <laughs> I remember reading a Judge's Guild that uh, adventure in Dungeoneer magazine that had a rag golem. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> so now, the thing about that was, from Spaceballs, was Pizza the Hut a golem? Could have been. Because he was a big giant pizza. Played a D &D but, he had, one. but he ended up dying because he ate himself. That's true. Because yeah. he was hungry, and golems shouldn't have to eat. So maybe it's more of an elemental. A pizza <laughs> element. <laughs> With pepperoni. Now come on, I haven't had lunch yet. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, Neither does have I, actually. <laughs> Don't do that to me. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> it does sound pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I played in a game where there was somebody, it was in a bakery and there was like a cake golem. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that reminds me. Uh, several years ago on, um, on Dragon's Foot when people were um, putting in stuff for the, the Dragon's Foot city... And there was a bakery, I forget who it was, who had submitted the, the bakery shop for the Dragon's Foot City, but you could make bread golems. Oh. It's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Attack me with butter, baby. <laughs> nice, hot, right out of the oven, bread golem. Bread yeah. golem, yes. It did D8 to me, but it's got that wonderful yeasty smell. Mm. Ooh, did you get hit by the rye seed? <laughs> <laughs> so warm, soft. Mike. Must resist the rapture of the bread. <laughs> okay. I was getting a little scared there for a minute. No, no. Gratuitous tick tick reference there, but yeah. Yes. Spoon. Um <laughs> So I don't know. Tell us what you do so, about yeah. golems. Right, Glenn? That's right. Saber Die Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll head into our last segment. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. Where are the Cheetos? They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Hi, folks. We're here now. Uh, our, so our with all these man. sections, so with all these segments, does that mean a whole adventure is actually around? Yes. That's true. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. Yes. It's only an hour. Or something like that. Or something. So what do we got, Vince? Products of your imagination, we have some stupid Judges Guild module that I didn't download properly. <laughs> Mike, what do we got? <laughs> We've got Thieves of Fortress Batabascor. And I'm not guaranteeing, show, since I've been, I've, I've been spanked on Dragon's Foot for mispronouncing Whoa. Grand Duchy of K, I, I will not... Yeah. I will I will put in the disclaimer, I do not know that's the proper pronunciation. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it is that's the way I said. I was re I was looking it over backstage last night at the show, and one of my fellow actors said, I keep looking at and it, and I thought it said Steve's a Fortress Badass. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
then I read the rest of it. It says, he may have a point here. <laughs> mm. It's so impressive. Yeah. So you guys yeah. read the original one, and I read the Goodman Games ones, <laughs> which was the reprint of it. So maybe, well, I think that's uh, a oh, good thing, because yeah, a lot of people might not be able to get a hold of the original one as easily as the Goodman Games version. So you'll be able to give people an idea of, well, this is what the Goodman one's like, so is it worth getting, or yeah. should you get the original instead? Well, I feel stupid because I had a credit on RPG, and it was up there, so I just picked it out. And I'm like, oh, cool, but then I looked at it, it was a Goodman Games. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, this was, first, this was first put out in 1978, um, it was just, it was, uh, concepted, it's concepted. <laughs> concepted, Glenn? <laughs> concepted. It's not a concept, it's concepted. It sounds like conception. <laughs> by Mark Summerlot, designed by Mike Bertowski, Craig Vogel, Bob Bledsaw, Mark Summerlot, Bill Owen, and Tony Florin. And it's gone through about four or five printings, the latest. I have the first, I have a first printing, uh, in a bag over there, and I read through the fourth printing, which is almost the same. I would say mm. so. The um, uh, the Goodman Games one was made by uh, was adapted for use for third edition by Robert Conley in 2004 by Goodman Games. Okay. Mm. With those at Estros Games? EOS Estrosos? I don't know, games. Estros? Yeah, well, they do good stuff. Yeah. They do good stuff. Yeah. Um, and um, it's awful interesting, let me tell you. Um, where to begin? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I say that a lot with Judges Guild supplements. Where to begin? Um, well, basically, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say basically. mine was riddled with a lot of typos. Really? Uh, there was a lot of punctuation mistakes, and like sentences had like some odd drop offs on descriptions. And I was just like, um, yeah, like it was like a going, like the sentence felt like it could have kept going on, but it never did. You know, I wonder if they took a lot of the text wholesale from the original Judges Guild version when they did the Goodman Games one. Because, you know, there's a lot of typos and stuff in the Judges Guild as well that you oh. kind of just figure, you know, it's Judges Guild. These are That's right. <laughs> these it, were fans, exactly. you know, printing it out themselves and yeah. <laughs> I figured, I looked at this and I figured, since I've already, we've already done Tegel and this is a little similar and things like that, I figured if you take supplements from Judges Go like this and just treat them like a sandbox, I think you get more mileage out of them than try and actually try and make sense of the whole thing. It's like you just want to set them in there. I'll go clean it out. Okay, well, fine. Well, I mean, that's what Wilderlands was all about. I mean, the whole campaign setting, you've got hexes and each you know not every single one but most hexes you had some sort of encounter or weirdness going on so that the dm could just sit there and okay you travel one hex away from the city state you run into a red golem you know a red golem yes does the original, <laughs> does the original have the uh the story of the adventures have been hired to track down the bandit leader named Cragen? uh no. Cragen's in here yeah huh. but not there's really no a story Really, it gets kind of convoluted because they can't decide whether they want to deal with the bandit Kragen who's occupying it, or the cultists who are occupying yeah. it. Yeah, one god, Angal, the perpetual void. Yeah, they don't I... even give a level range. 
Um, I mean, it's kind of like Tejal Manor in that regard. They do recommend that it will give a challenge for higher level characters, but the good that's the, yeah, that's more of a level range that I've seen in a in a judge's guild supplement. <laughs> Well, certainly the early stuff. The Goodman's game say, said it's uh, four to six characters, levels ten to twelve. That sounds yeah. about right, especially for the deeper, the deeper yeah. levels. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having fun trying to figure out just to place this in the history of D and D, just to see what this was written for. And I finally concluded it was Holmes, because uh, first of all, one of the rooms had an intellect devourer in it, even though I know that's in. The three brown books. The first time I saw that is AD and D first edition. But Mike yeah. says they're in the three brown books. They're in uh, Eldritch Wizardry, where they okay. introduced uh, psionics. Okay, and also yeah. they used the five point alignment system, which Doctor Holmes used, right, Liz? Yes. Yes. Uh, at first, I thought it was the nine point, but then I noticed, oh, okay, well, this this isn't in here, and that's not here. So yeah, okay. So that threw me off a little. Um, so I'm assuming this was like. Um, Brown book to Holmes to Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, even though it just says Dungeons and Dragons on the front here. It, I wonder, does, did the first printing have the five yes. alignment system? Or yes, okay, I, I so it wasn't just the fourth. Hmm. Yeah, it okay. was written like that. Um, and they have some kind of convoluted history here. And a god you can use. Remember, Vince, you said that in early D and D they really didn't give you any gods. No, well, no. This is this is the kind of thing they would do. They'd say, "Okay, these people are worshiping this god, and here's the god." Yeah. If you want to use it. But like most judges guild gods, they can be killed. Yes, they can. I mean, even in the description, they're kind of on the fence as whether it's a god or not. Yeah. It says yeah. he believes himself a god. You know. Well, what does that mean, really? <laughs> At the end, it's it says, "The that, damn." Yeah. In fact, hmm. he's an insane egoist, a malicious and evil disposition, even though he's got four arms and a pair of wings. Yeah, I but, thought he was pretty lightweight when I saw, you know, his two swords are plus one. Ah, oh, big deal. Ooh. And they each do one to 20 points of damage. Ah! Okay. <laughs> Ooh. That's a little different, yeah. <laughs> so, was Kragen in the castle, did they, he consider himself a duke? That's what it well, says. Yeah, because that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, um, in the in the Judges Guild version, um, he's called a duke, and but he doesn't really act "quote unquote" dukely. You know, he's duke, the leader. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's the leader of a bunch of bandits, and literally a robber baron. Yeah, yeah. I would figure he's one of those like in very early Middle Ages. He's a duke because duke. he's powerful enough with enough men at arms that he can yeah. take what he, he wants. Can, he can say he's a duke, yes. Yeah, he's he has he's in league with the orcs, the trolls, and uh, he occupies the first couple levels, right, of the dungeon. And and the and the followers of this Angol too. Yeah, the well, there's a like a false sense of him controlling them, I should say. As I was about to say, yeah. in the original, wasn't they that kind of a constant? battle going Yeah, on. it was like he says he has control of them, but he really doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It kind of reminds me he just keeps of... them locked, off, locked down in the yeah. lower level. Yeah. yeah. This, this, this concept kind of reminds me of that part of the Lost City where they're worshipping what they say is a god, but it's really just sort of some, some monster from another dimension who's... Mm-hmm. And then, and then between that 
and the cultists living on the bottom level, they're using create food and water for the past 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long span to go. But there's yeah, a, but I- an ancient red dragon, her, his mate, and the brood are in there? Yeah. Gotta have the dragon at the lower level. That's the, yeah. I don't know. Came across this like that. I know they're supposed to keep the two apart, but it's kind of forced for me. I don't know. Third level, you hit the dragon caves, and I, a dragon's foot. Thor, no, it was uh, the AC of Thor camera was on there, and he says, "I have a few questions about this." Level three, the first four rooms. What's up with that? <laughs> All these dragons in here. In a 10-foot by 10-foot room, there's an ancient red dragon. What? <laughs> no, it's yeah. not that bad, but... Yeah. yeah, it's... it's Well, it's more the fun house, or like Tim Cass said, slaughtering the zoo kind of thing. Well, yeah. What's notable about the one for Goodman Games, it says... All over, boy, where's that line? There's plenty of room for negotiation, deception, and political intrigue. As long as the party does not simply try to take out the bandits in an open battle or plow through the dungeon by force of arms... The author mentions that the fortress is used as as a base of operations suitable for evil characters level 5 to 9. So, Well, I think there's... I've, I've heard of more than one like uh, campaign where the inventory party goes in and like cleans it out and uses it in a base, as a base. Good yeah. or evil, I don't know which. Um, well, I love the map... For, at least for the Judges Guild version. And Vince, you can tell me if this crosses over to the Goodman <laughs> Games one. But you've got the Forest of Bondage <laughs> and the Valley of Fixation. It's like, now wait a minute here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, th- this is getting Freudian. <laughs> Spanky thieves here. <laughs> And one th- one thing I like in here is they call them hobbits. This is true. Not halflings. They call them hobbits. Yep, that's old school. And when I came down to the fourth level, the quarters of the evil high priest, they're guarded by four black hobbits. <laughs> I want to know more about them. Okay. They're evil. But, yes. Black hobbits. <laughs> These little guys who bite your ankles, and I don't know. They're, they're like the drow version of hobbits. Yeah, they keep they keep drawbits. Yeah, they keep <laughs> kobolds as pets. <laughs> oh boy! But it's just this thing's kind of it's wacky, but it's juicy. If you know what I mean. I mean, as far as yeah. like you know, it, it's crunchy. vintage judges guild. It is. It is. <laughs> I'm not. I, I. I'd like to say that it makes. They. They just seem like they're trying to make this more coherent than, say, Tendril Banner. Because it looks like they actually sat down and I thought, okay, this guy's here and that guy's there. And they're not putting like two monsters that fight each other next to each other in a room or something. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think it was that great. It did have a lot of good detail and a lot of good chance for some role-playing in it in the Goodman's one, Uh but then, of course, it was made for third edition, so everything's roll this, roll that. Yeah. That here is like... Well, I know that Vince, you probably like the the upper levels, because I was looking at the Judges Go one, and and the deeper you get, the more description they have. Yeah, they do have some... It's like the first first, uh, few levels is like, oh, maybe three lines. 
and then you get down to the yes. deeper levels you got this whole huge paragraph of things and you know and that kinda... that's judges guild right there a whole yeah. huge paragraph they don't go into just grotesque detail because they're leaving it up to the dm yeah and then the, the, the walls are covered with guilt and in the corner there is the you know Plus if he looking... steps in the dust, you know, <laughs> he will create a small smudge against the, the fine chisel work of the floor. Like, it's like listening to an ancient professor in a class. <clears throat> oh, well. I said yeah. ancient professor. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and then... So I think if I used it? this, it would probably go the same way as B5. I would split apart some of the levels and use it separately. And then in the back, I don't know if the, the Goodman Games has this, but in the back they have alternate descriptions for the rooms for like the first four levels. In case you don't like the first ones? <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like it's it's with the intention of making me making them tougher. But uh, like the first one I pulled up here, it's got belly dancers in one of the rooms. Um, They're holding class. Yeah, don't touch them or they'll give you a, you know, you'll you'll hit you'll hit. Uh, da, 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 da. I think they'll give you a sleep spell if you touch them or something. Um, large potted plants that attack you. Uh, just basically weirdness. And this is the one that has my favorite room: the two wizards fighting over the lizard. And who wouldn't? Uh, Yes, dungeon level five. There, there's two. This this neutral wizard and this chaotic wizard is fighting over a what's it say here? A lizard which is two feet high and eight feet long because it is trained to act as a pack animal and can sing bardic songs like a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't want one of those? <laughs> hey, I want one. <laughs> uh, there, I do recall, Liz. There wasn't there one room that really upset you. What? Hmm? Oh, yeah, there was this room which had a couple of kobolds devouring the flesh of a dead wolf. It's like, that's cannibalism! <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't, if they're lizards. They are puppies! Puppies. <laughs> kobolds are puppies! They had, uh, they had a room in here where these rats are got gold coins in their mouths and they're paying homage to a giant rat. And they have another, they had an alternate version in here of a giant frog and these frog men kissing the ground in front of him and it's like I feel like I'm in a fever dream at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So let's uh... yeah, I think there was a Doctor Who episode. Oh damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say at the end of the episode we got done. through one episode without a Doctor Who reference. Did he? <laughs> had to be done. Did he eat chili peppers? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't ask him. Anyway. <laughs> so, shall we rate it? Yeah, let's uh, start with Liz like we always do. Yes. Like we always do. Okay. We always start with Liz. <laughs> I will give this one a... I'll give it a 3.5. Okay. I, I have a soft spot for all of the Judges Guild modules and... It's primarily because of all of the wacky stuff that gets plunked into the middle of what could otherwise be a horrifying encounter. And it's just a really 
weird mix that appeals to me. I, I really like everything that they do. So, <laughs> And it's a soft spot for cannibalistic kobolds, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so, Glenn, what about you? I want to give it a 352. Um, I had a, kind of a blast reading it. And um, I don't know, maybe I'd have a... I'm, I'm hesitant to... I just want to run it with people who have the same sense of humor I have. So, <laughs> yeah, there's rats over here worshiping a rat. What the hell? All right. And, My uh, God, you know. So, and so I'm, I'm 3.5 sounds like a good okay. mid-level mid there. I could fix whatever I want to fix. And, yeah. you know, I'd have a good, we'd have a good time with this. All right, 3.5, 3.5, that's a 3.5. And Mike? I, I know I'll get crucified for this over at Dragon's Foot or whatever, but holy beetle! I'm I'm giving it a two. You do. <sighs> um, yeah. What's your reason yeah. for the two, Mike? Husband, I have no husband. <laughs> <laughs> I got more shrooms. <laughs> okay. Now I have. Okay. I forgive you. Okay. I just the whole setup just doesn't work for me. I mean, I can I could split off some of the levels and use them individually, but you know, overall, it just it doesn't click with me. I mm -hmm. I don't find it. It's mega dungeony, but you know, like you were saying, Thorky said, you know, what the heck? Mm -hmm. A lot of it is very what the heck with me, and not in a good way. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's uh, sorry. It's a two. I'm gonna have to agree with Mike on the two. Okay. Well. First of all, any module that I buy or pick up and it has typos in it automatically is just a bad sign. I understand mine was not Judge's Guild, which you can understand is Judge's Guild, you know. But Goodman Games couldn't go in there and just fix it? Seriously? In an age, yeah, I mean, Judge's Guild originally was, you know, people typing on mimeograph and yeah. that sort of stuff. But there was no, with, yeah, with, there's no email with, and stuff publishing. like that. But what about the adventure, though? I mean, why don't you give... Two, two point two for to Goodman Games. I'm giving the module two because I didn't like the adventure itself either. So okay, I just didn't well, like. That's fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't like the way things were set up with the the with uh, with Kragen and the dragon. The dragons were on the wrong. I don't know. The dragon should have been on the dra the dragon tomb level. I think the dragon king level. Maybe they would have been better down there. Yeah, maybe should have been in another module. <laughs> maybe that too. They, they were vacationing. <laughs> They're on vacation. It was Chevy Chase and his family. Yes. Yeah. D&D &D vacation. National Lampoon's D&D &D vacation. Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what is it? 3.5, 3.5, and 2 and 2. That makes it... I just I just added it up. It's 2.75. Yeah, I was going to say 2.75. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. You got it right. All right. So, we'll be back. Uh, actually, we're going to head down the highway. And, uh, Glenn, how are you coming out this week? Uh, I'm coming out. Wait a minute. Oh, uh, <laughs> hold on there. Oh, how he am I coming out this week? Okay. Usually, we're down the highway. You're coming out in a truck down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm running from the rats who I desecrated because mm -hmm. I killed their head rat. So, right. and, and I'm and running for the judges' what, guild fans who yeah. will want to crucify me. And the four or five dragons that are down there. Who, and <laughs> I, I'm running away from John Goodman. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, Goodman I Games. Know. I was about to say, John Goodman or Joe Goodman? <laughs> Goodman Games, I meant. That's it, yeah. All of a sudden, we're in a Coen Brothers film. I don't get it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm running after Mike, so I can beat him about the head and shoulders for giving the module only a two. Yeah. With a cannibalistic oh, I will you. Yeah. Next week, uh, we'll do Back on Track with the Bees. B6. I forget the uh, title of B6, but... The Veil Society. With, Society. With, any with any luck, we'll have a uh, Bill Owen interview. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. And then after that, let's see, next week will be... Yes. My equipment works, yes. <laughs> the 22nd, that weekend, we have the interview with Bill Owen. So he can hear the dastardly review that we gave his module. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was just a developer. But yeah, probably. Oh, we're going to hit him hard about Field Guide, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next time, uh, B6, and then we'll go from there, and then uh, we'll go do some more Judges Guild in between, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. See if Glenn survives. Can you make the save? <laughs> and, so, and someday I may pick a Judges Guild that Vince likes. That's going to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> Can you make the save, save or die podcast? Stay tuned next week. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. Rearc. If you have any comments, please email saveordiepodcast at gmail.com or visit saveordie at saveordie.info. Follow the cast on Facebook slash saveordiepodcast or follow them on Twitter at the Evil DM.